G-O-T-M Radio. Entrepreneurs on the move. Reshaping life for a better tomorrow. Fisher Boys, welcome to the kicker spot. Fisher Boys, Fisher Boys, I'm your host, T'Angelo. T'Angelo. Why did I have a visual? I was partying to the break of dawn. How did I know who recorded the video? T'Angelo. OMG. It's kind of variety. So, no. Okay, for better words. Apparently, I'm eager to when I talk about myself all the time. Go, go, go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kickers Spot. I'm your host, T'Angelo. And your boy, T'Angelo, is here at the Kickers Spot chilling. What it do, y'all? What's up? And, okay, have you guys realized that life has been amazing right now? But in amazement comes stress. I don't know about you guys, but it's been amazing and stressful all at the same time. It has. I'm jumping right into it. I know, because life isn't fast forward. Is it just me? I don't, I don't think it is. No, Veronica's shaking her head, too. She sees it. She's feeling it. Well, right now, I'm going to finish up this beautiful stress for a week and close it out with packing as I prepare for my uber-exciting all-expense-paid cruise. <laughs> of course, it's all-expense-paid. You paid it, fool. But, um, yes, yeah, my first time, you guys, taking a cruise. I'm uber-excited. I'm heading out to Ensenada, Mexico. Mexico, here I come by way of Kelly and Island. It's going to be amazing. You guys, as I always say, be sure to live life to the fullest because if you work hard, you sure never got to play harder. And then when I get back from Mexico, out to Vegas I go. I'm excited. If you guys haven't been to Vegas, you need to swing by. Um, I recommend staying at the Mandalay Bay or the Wind. I haven't stayed at the Wind, but I've heard good things. And my personal and utter favorite, the Venetian. So those are my personal favorites. And then an exciting part of going to Vegas, did I tell you? I don't know if I told you this, but my best friend is going to be there. By happenstance, we were talking Found out we're both going to be in Vegas at the same time. So we're going to party like it's 1999. Well, how old was I in 1999? I guess I could party like it's 19. No, more like it was 2003. I had a good 2003 year. I told 2003 down, y'all. I did. But anyhow, on this vacation, I'm looking forward to rest and relaxation. So when I do get back to you guys on the show, y'all going to hear a whole new me coming to me relaxed and in good zen. <laughs> Ask them to come back to family. You know, family is a beautiful thing, you guys. Having family is amazing. But is it just, is it just me? Or does it seem like this is a season for family to start acting crazy as hell? I've had some crazy-ish going on. Let me tell you, fam is hilarious. People make bad decisions sometimes, right? And then after they make the bad decisions, do you find that they want you to pay for them? What do you think? I think they do. I do. And then, like, for instance, and you try to tell them, like, they can make better decisions and go in a different direction, and then they have the audacity to tell you, I'm grown, okay? I make my own decisions. But then why are you deciding to call me and ask me for $20 for gas? Is that, a, is that what grown folks do? I never called and asked for gas. Veronica, have I ever called you and asked for gas before? No. Yeah, I, I didn't think I did that either. So, I don't know. And I feel like sometimes, you guys, we, the family, want to assist. All we're doing is we're enabling these people. We are. I'm voting against it. I am. I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote for voting against enabling those who won't empower themselves. How about that? Boom. 
Anyhow, moving right along, you guys, be sure to stop by my Facebook and Twitter page, which is T'Angelo Live. You can like me, follow me. It'll be great. Um, we have all the updates, some pictures and things and whatnot. And then um, lastly, I wanted to mention Father's Day is approaching. Did y'all realize that? June 16th. It's almost here. What a loving day for the fathers. So you got to start getting your gift ideas and quality time, you know, moments put together because – we got to do a Father's Day. It seems sometimes that Mother's Day gets all the big hoopla, like the fathers had nothing to do with it. But we'll discuss more about how the birds and the bees met later. And what's up with birds and bees? I never understood that. My mom didn't really explain birds and bees to me. Aren't they two different species? Do they really deal with each other in such a way to create? I don't know. Anyhow, once you guys, once again, you guys, please be sure to click the like button on the radio page there on the left-hand side. And if you are listening, know that the world wants to know. You are now tuned in to the chicken spot, 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 chicken spot, and I'm your boy, T'Angelo, Jalo, Jalo, Jalo. So tonight on the kicker spot, we have matters of the heart. Tonight's discussion, we will cover unrealistic relationship expectations. I'm thinking that when people um, are looking to pursue a new boyfriend or girlfriend, we kind of start off with this long laundry list that is completely unrealistic. In some cases, they even make these lists fall out like like a, a grocery list or something. And you, you're questioning, is this, rea- is this real or not? So tonight we're going to find out if you happen to fall into this category. Are you one of those people who have unrealistic expectations? We'll talk about that on Matters of the Heart. Inside the celebrity hub, we have to find out who slapped Beyonce. <gasps> What's going on with Bieber versus Keyshawn? And how did Fast and the Furious do at the box office this past weekend? Exciting film. I didn't check it out yet, but we'll see if I'm going to or not after we talk about it. And also on the kicker spot tonight is going to be EOTM Award nominee, Dr. Aurora Ambrose who is nominated for an outstanding literary book for her title, Out of the Night, excuse me, Out of the Transylvania Night. So we definitely want to stick around and hear what she has to say and congratulate her on her nomination. Yes, that's going to be exciting, you guys, definitely. And to think about it, Transylvania, do we know where Transylvania is? And guess what? Y'all might recognize that name. Remember Transylvania? Transylvania? Y'all don't get it yet? Dracula's from Transylvania. So I wonder if she's ever met the real Dracula. Well, I guess no. What is it? Is it a rendition? Like, does they have a third Dracula twice removed or something? I don't know. We have to ask her personally. But yes, that would be great. We'll have Dr. Embrus here this evening. So anyhow, if you guys have any questions for our guests or for myself, be sure to call the radio line at 718-664-6543. Again, at 718-664-6543. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will get into matters of the heart. Hey, you guys, have you seen the kicker spot? I mean, I'm trying to find the kicker spot. I can't get in? What do you mean I can't get in? I'm T'Angelo. I'm the host. The kicker spot. When you are looking for the latest, the freshest, and the biggest stories in Hollywood, EOTM Blog is a site to visit. But there's also a clip of me on the red carpet when I call one of the wrong name. Ooh, yeah. The kick is spot, kick is spot, kick is spot, kick is 
verse <laughs> because it's, sorry the kick is fine 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 what's going on this is your boy Angelo and you are chilling at the kick is fine so you guys let's discuss matters of the heart unrealistic relationship expectations so do you find that some of your friends always have this laundry list? A matter of fact, it's more like a grocery list of qualities they want in the perfect partner. And after much looking and shopping, window shopping, perusing through all the different social places, they can't seem to find that perfect match. Or maybe they just come to realize that the perfect laundry list person doesn't exist. And when I say your friend, maybe I mean this is you. Maybe I'm talking directly to you. So what you should do right now is pull out your, for all my singles out there, pull out your list of expectations for your ideal partner, and let's find out if you fall into this uh, category of unrealistic um, relationship expectations. So when you are – now, with us being so surrounded by media that continues to promote the myth of two people meeting, falling in love, and living happily ever after, this may be a great storyline, you guys, but know that um, it doesn't quite happen that way. <laughs> Relationships really take work, time, and effort to succeed. And then the, it, it, you can't just hop into something and think, oh, yeah, it's going to work forever because he's cute, I'm sexy, boom, we're together. We'll last forever. Not quite so much. In the perfect description, um, one seems to never add in certain qualities. You know, you always get the height, the perfect job income, um, car, hairstyle, weight, you know, all that stuff. He'll he'll be a sports player, you know, he'll love his mom and treat kids great. He'll love, you know, children and want to get married in the next year and a half. Right, okay. But these are some qualities that never quite come up on these lists. Things like dysfunctional family issues. Do you know how much that can affect the relationship? When the mama of your man keep calling your house at all hours of the night and y'all trying to get it in, and he hang up, he get off of you to go answer the phone because his mama dysfunctional. Then we have the all and most famous baby mama drama. You didn't write that on your list, did you? Mm-mm. Then you have to follow up with some of these people that you meet might suffer from depression. You didn't write that on the list either. Oh, okay. Well, did you write friendship issues on there? You know, the friend who happens to be at your house all the time, you come home from work after a long day and you find this fool sitting on your lap gaming. How is it I just got up a 12-hour shift and you found time to play on my couch? Like, you ain't got a couch either. And then you tell your dude that you don't like it and he stick up for him. You don't write that on your list? Interesting. Or <laughs> another item that you don't see on people's list is the fact that everyone isn't perfect. You know, they just aren't perfect. Or the perfect might be the person might just be exactly what you're looking for. People don't put that on the list either. I think when you find what you're looking for, you get scared and run, by the way. But anyhow, predicting your partner's re- um now, that's that. I'm gonna move on to these passive laundry lists, you guys. Now, another unrealistic expectation that people have in relationships, I think, is the fact that you can predict your partner's reactions to things. This is a major issue. And it's a very unrealistic situation. You can't always know how someone will react to something that you say or do. And I know I can be kind of guilty of this one. I feel that um, I can tell, you know, I can tell my partner this little something that happened. They should be okay. I mean, it's nothing big. And so 
I tried that. I once told my love interest that um, my best friend and I, you know, used to mess around back in the day. And I thought that conversation would go over kind of well. It didn't. It never crossed my mind that it would matter that my history, in fact, you know, was still involved with my present time. And I was completely taken aback. I mean, honestly, deer in a headlights. Why are you so bothered? What is the issue? What do you mean? Yes. Do not try to predict your partner's reaction, you guys. It's really not a good look. And you might find out more times than not, you're going to be wrong. You're just going to be wrong. And then, you know, there's those, also those big issues that you think are, like, horrific, and you have been spending the whole week dying, wanting to just die maybe before telling your partner what the issue is. And then once you tell them, they're like, oh, well, I already knew that anyway. <laughs> your mom called me and told me, you know, and you've been sitting here, again, agonizing over the situation all week long. Stop trying to predict your partner's reactions. It's unrealistic. Now, some of you out there put more on a relationship than your relationship can actually deliver, okay? You have this high expectation that this relationship will just make you the best you ever. <laughs> Wrong answer. Once again, um, if you are not happy with your life while you are alone, while you are alone, getting a partner is not going to make you any happier. All you do is take that misery with you and introduce it to your new partner. You have to be happy inside yourself. You can't expect the relationship to all of a sudden blossom the smile that you never had. Yeah, no, if you're angry and you're sulking and you're just like the death of the party, bringing someone in with you will just make the Grand Reaper even bigger because you won't all of a sudden become this happy being, you know. And if you think you would be better off in life if you could only get married, you are ultimately setting yourself up for failure, do not hop into a marriage because you feel that it will make you a better person, because it will bring you the answer to life. The person you're marrying also has issues. They also have their own problems to deal with. They're not going to be the perfect stay-all. They're going to make your life harder at times, and other times they'll make your life fun and, and make it the best it can be. But to expect such things from a relationship, like, you know, pure happiness, is completely unrealistic. And for those of you who think that just because a person is mad, sexy, drop-dead, gorgeous, doesn't quite mean their sex is going to be better than the next. Another unrealistic expectation, just because, you, okay, ladies, this is for you. Just because you see the dude with all the body and the abs or whatever, maybe he rocking a few diamond necklaces, got a cool ride, and, hey, he might be, you know, be equipped in the way that you wanted to see. It doesn't mean the person's sex game is any better it's unrealistic. You can't base these things off of just a list of your wants and desires. It all comes in the wash. You got to jump in there, try it out, and see how it works. Now, if you are truly looking for Mr. or Mrs. Wright, I got a suggestion for you. Stop looking. None of us can find love. None of us can find love, and we surely can't find the love of our life because we don't really know what it looks like. We can only feel it. Love is a feeling. It's not a look. Now, granted, I know, ladies, when y'all go out there to find a new pair of shoes, you look at them and you fall in love. But that is not where it stops. You put the shoe on and realize it hurts your ankle, and then it's over. It wasn't a look. It was a feel. And the shoe cutting into your ankle sure made you feel upset, and you put the shoe back. So there, once again, you can't find love by looking at it. Therefore, the only thing you can do is be the best person you can be and be a person who is lovable and be open to love. You can't find it, but just allow yourself to be loved. Be a person that someone else can endure, adore. 
and just want to spend their entire life with. That's your best, that's going to be your best bet. Um, I will say here's a little small story. My mother ran into her new beau while visiting um, my sister at the hospital. She met this cool guy. They exchanged numbers. She wasn't looking for, you know, no to talk to nobody. She had just been working on her master's degree. She was excited for being out of school after all those years. She's going to live life to the fullest. But after meeting him, you know, he put the little, you know, a little swag on her. And one thing led to another. They exchanged numbers. And, wow, voila, now a year later they just celebrated their one-year anniversary. That's love. That's how it happens. You happen to bump into a person, the chemistry is there, and it works. Not that you are looking for it, it just happens, okay? So when entering or looking to enter into a mature relationship, be prepared to find love in the unlikeliest of places and be open to it. But as far as a build-a-man technique, <laughs> y'all can forget about it. It's really not happening, okay? So don't have unrealistic expectations. This has been Matters of the Heart. Hey, you guys, have you seen the kicker spot? I mean, I'm trying to find the kicker spot. I can't get in? What do you mean I can't get in? I'm Tiangelo. I'm the host. The kicker spot. When you are looking for the latest, the freshest, and the biggest stories in Hollywood, EOTM Blog is a site to visit. But there's also a clip of me on the red carpet when I call one of the wrong name. If you know who you are, my bad. Um, it was my birth because it's, sorry. The kick is fine. 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 What's going on? This is your boy Tiangelo, and you are chilling at the kick is fine. Ooh, the celebrity hub is next. Be quiet, it might be you. The Kicker Spot Celebrity Hub is brought to you by EOTMblog.com. When you are looking for the latest, the freshest, and the biggest stories in Hollywood, EOTMblog, yes, I said it, EOTMblog.com is the site to visit. I said be quiet, it's coming on, and get off my foot. So, you guys, the Celebrity Hub, what do we have going on? Well, to start, Beyonce gets slapped? Really? How did this happen? Well, I'll tell you. So, Beyonce apparently was just too damn bootylicious for one of her fans in Denmark who reached up onto the stage and slapped the singer right on her derriere during her concert. Um Mrs. Carter was performing Irreplaceable when a dude from the front row of the seat just leans up onto the stage and delivers a five-finger smack right onto Beyonce's left butt cheek. Now, the unfortunate thing is it was a guy that she had just allowed to sing into the microphone. She had let him have a little solo into the microphone. As she walks up, he reaches up on the stage and plants a nice right on Beyonce's butt. Let me tell you guys, Beyonce was pissed. She stopped dead in her tracks stared at the guy, pointed, and said, I'm going to have you escorted out of here. Just as she finished that, she got right back into her music, kept singing and dancing, kept it pushing. So if you get a chance, you can YouTube the video. But I was really surprised at this move because if anyone knows Beyonce, they know that she's the queen bee and a diva, and being touched is not something that she, you know, really welcomes. 
Now, the question was, do you guys think she really got taken out of the theater? I did. But unfortunately, it was unclear if she followed through with her threat. But I'm thinking if her um, backstage hands are as strong as I think they are, they caught what she said, and they went ahead and let her finish the show because, again, I'm standing 10 rows over. I didn't pay her to see him get ridiculed for hitting her in the butt. So I think she did right, say a little few words to him, and keep it pushing. But the men in the back need to come out and handle that and move him out the theater. That was, in, that was inappropriate. That's like being at work and someone hitting you behind. That's just inappropriate. You don't do that to anybody. And now we have Keyshawn versus Bieber. So if you guys have been listening to, you know, watching – you know, the news recently, Justin Bieber has been all throughout the news for driving recklessly in his Lamborghini around his gated community. And the neighbors have really become irritated with it. I mean, Bieber has just been getting into a lot of trouble with these driving habits these days. Well, one of his neighbors said he is not having it. Keyshawn Johnson chased down speeding Justin Bieber this past weekend and tried to confront the singer about his dangerous driving habits. But Justin Bieber ran away like a scared little child, some of the eyewitnesses were telling TMZ. Now, sources say Keyshawn, who was a formal NFL superstar, um, had just left the party Monday night inside of their exclusive gated community in Calabasas with his kids in the car. When Bieber zooms by in his Ferrari and almost like breaks, breaking speed limits or something, well, we're told that Keyshawn was furious. After dropping his kids off, he actually went to go chase down Justin Timberlake. I mean, excuse me, Justin Bieber. And can you guys imagine this? We have Keyshawn Johnson in a Prius chasing down <laughs> Justin Bieber in his Lamborghini. Can you guys visualize that for a second? I mean, his Ferrari, my bad, in his Ferrari. I can see it. Well, needless to say, Keyshawn did not catch up with Bieber. But he did find him at he did find Bieber at his home, so he parked the Prius behind Justin's Ferrari in the driveway so he couldn't get out no more. He tried to face him um he Keyshawn Johnson tried to face Bieber, but again he ran into the house. So it didn't happen. And can we keep in mind you guys that Keyshawn Johnson is six four, two hundred and twelve pounds, while Justin is merely five seven, hundred and ten, soaking wet. It'd be in his best interest to go in the house. And I also think it might be in his best interest to slow that damn car down while in the neighborhood. A few of the neighbors actually ended up calling the police on him, too. So, Justin, if you want to get an eviction notice, you might want to, you know, straighten up a little bit. Now, is it just me, or do you guys think that Justin's trying to go for the, like, bad boy angle these days? <laughs> he, like, he's trying to get in trouble about things. I don't know. He was, like, mooning Twitter a couple of weeks back. Now we have this driving fast. <sighs> it's all entertainment. He's keeping himself relevant, if you ask me. Anywho, I digress. So for all our Fast and the Furious lovers out there, this brand is still going. We are already now at Fast and the Furious 6, and it opened at number one during this big Memorial Day weekend. And it actually broke the records in Memorial Day weekend box office history. Um, they've had the, they had the largest debut in three days toward, which was about $120 million. Which was, that was showing, you know, this past week. And to think that Fast and the Furious broke the records for Memorial Day weekend. Now, it does look good. And I'm going to admit you guys, the last Fast and the Furious was kind of fly. I was feeling it. And so I'm definitely looking forward to checking this one out. And now that I'm hearing the reviews went well, I'm, I'm definitely wanting to see it. But now I guess you, you could have been torn because you might be questioning, who do I see? Do I see Fast and the Furious 6 or do I go check out Hangover 3? Well... <laughs> With the latest installment of the action franchise, um, Hangover 3 
actually came in underperformed with a merely $63 million this opening night. And at this point, they have made, they're up to $135 million. But, excuse me, I said I lied back. I said I lied back. They did $63 million, their opening night with Hangover 3, which, again, underperformed miserably, considering Hangover 2 made $135 million its first you know, first week out. So we're, you know, questioning is Hangover 3 not as good? Are people not believing in it? Or did Fast and the Furious 6 just take all the attention away from the Hangover uh, franchise? Not quite sure. I haven't heard any reviews back yet. Has anybody, have you seen Hangover? Anybody seen Hangover 3 yet? No? It's kind of quiet in here. All right, well, we're happy to make it a point, you guys, to check it out and get your own opinions. And definitely hit me up on Twitter and Facebook with what you think, because I'm planning on seeing Fast and the Furious Six first. I mean, hangovers are good, but I don't know. An action movie, you know, it's, just, it's a full action-packed film. I think that kind of just gets you. That just kind of gets you. So, oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You guys, I'm sorry. I just see an interesting story here. Let me see. Okay, so apparently, okay, Beyonce has answered to uh, Kelly Rowland's I'm Jealous of You song. So real quick, you guys. Apparently, okay, so if you guys didn't know, Kelly Rowland recently wrote a song where she expressed that she was jealous of Beyonce. I talked about it last week. Um, she has lyrics in her song stating, while my sister was on stage, killing like a mother effer, I was engaged, feeling like a mother. Oh, she's just cursing? All right, she's grown now. Basically, she's going to say that she was dealing with depression while her sister was on stage, killing a game, and she was you know, it's bittersweet because while Beyonce was up, I was or while my, while my sister was up, I was down. And in a new interview with Washington radio station, Kelly Rowland reveals that she didn't stop, she did not drop the bomb on Michelle and Beyonce by just letting the song hit the airwaves. But she actually played the song for both of her former Destiny Child bandmates before releasing it. And um, I guess Kelly Rowland says that Beyonce was like, I like it. I never would have thought, I never would have thought that you have done this, but it is enduring, and I can feel your energy behind it. So she heard the song, she liked it, and Beyonce said, "I'm proud of you." So there, you guys have it. I mean, what do we expect Beyonce to say? I hate you, and you shouldn't have done this song, you ratchet snake whore or something. That doesn't go with the Beyonce brand. You know she's perfection, like a porcelain doll. Or is that all the? Um the paint jobs that the editors do. What's that called? Airbrushing. Yes. We should all have an airbrushing session. What do you guys think? Yes, Vogue airbrushing. <laughs> so anyhow, you guys, be sure to stay connected with T'Angelo Live for all these stories. I mean, excuse me, be sure to stay connected to all things T'Angelo Live. You can go to T'Angelo.com and sign up for our email list right now. And for all these stories and other stories, be sure to log on to EOTMblog.com. Yes, you heard me right, EOTMblog.com. So you guys continue hanging out here at the Kicker Spot, and we'll be right back. And when we return, we will be chatting with the EOTM nominee and author, Dr. Embrus. We'll be right back. Let's do the dirty laundry, the dirty laundry 
Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, T'Angelo, and you are live and chilling with the kicking spot. So we are now gearing up to speak with one of EOTM Award nominees, Dr. Emberus, and she has been nominated for Outstanding Literary Work, and the book is entitled, I want to say this wrong, I messed up a little, oh, you got me get this right this time, hold on, let me get my type of just right. <laughs> I can help I wanna... you out. Oh, well, hello there. How are you doing? I'm I fine. Title. How are you doing? <laughs> I am great. We are having fun hanging out here at the Kicker Spot. Welcome. Have a seat on my new plush couch with the pillows and things. Oh, my God. It's so velvety. I love it. Thank you so oh, much. You're more than welcome. Yes, we like velvet around here. It's all nice and soft. <laughs> <laughs> Just pass me the cookies and the coffee, Okay. Oh, she knows. Veronica, bring her cookies and coffee. You want one lump or two? <laughs> Both. <laughs> well, congratulations for your nominations for EOTM Award for Outstanding Literary Work. Thank you so much. You're very sweet. Thank you. And the title of the book is Out of the Transylvania Night. You got it. Yes. Well, how That's does it perfect. feel to be how does it feel to be um acknowledged for your work? Well, I think each and every award, it's an amazing um, end of the road, congratulatory note. So I think that whenever someone is going to nominate you for something, it doesn't really matter for what it is. I think you always Mm -hmm. have to be uh, grateful for that person has been thinking of you. And probably you have made some sort of an impact on his life or the people around you. So I think each and every one of us should be nominated for something because I think everybody is doing an amazing job. Well, sometimes more people are going to be nominated for something that they're going to leave behind, like a legacy, but that does not necessarily mean that not each and every one of us is not doing an amazing job. Excuse me. I I, I could have said it better myself. I definitely agree because a lot of people do put their efforts out there and some go unnoticed, but it doesn't mean that their work wasn't great or wasn't received. It's just, it just goes unnoticed at times. Well, and you know what? I don't think I've done it to be acknowledged. I think if for me, when I started writing the book, I didn't even have the title in mind. I was writing something completely different and then there were a couple of things that happened in my life and I had to break the original contract with my publisher because my mom Mm -hmm. got sick and she was given between three and six more months to live during liver cancer and um, the book that I was writing yeah and the book that I was writing was something like an easy deal tongue-in-cheek um, flavored with dating scenes. So when <laughs> your life is going to, I know, I know. It's right, that, right. You know, you you never know. I mean, you start walking down a certain road, and then all of a sudden, you know, you would have to take a left. And right. when you want to take a left, you actually realize that you make a U-turn, you know, and you are back into the same spot, realizing that maybe I should make a right. And so I I decided that I'm not just going to stop writing, but I'm going to actually change the topic of my writing and the style of my writing because mm-hmm. of what has happened in my life. And so that's how this memoir 
it's going to come out that, you know, since 2010 when um, it appeared on the market, it has been Amazon bestseller in very many different categories that relate to European history, Romania's history, psychology, self-help, motivational. So, and obviously women really like the story because, you know, it's a love story. Um, among so many others. It's a cultural story, a political, a social. It's that topic of the American dream. And then guys read it because you have bullets flying <laughs> like birds. <laughs> it's a it's Romanian revolution. I know. And it, it's not even, I, didn't, I couldn't even make it up. You know, it's reality. It's not even Hollywood. It's Everything that's happening in Romania and Transylvania during 1989 when it was the Romanian Revolution and people were mm-hmm. shot for real and people died for a better Romania, for a better Romania that it's not going to have to deal with the communist regime anymore, pretty much. So I think the book has very many different layers. And for that, you know, different age groups and different people are going to read it. Some of them are going to relate to the book because of the American dream. Others are going to relate to the book because of the love story. Others are going to relate to it because of their own immigration that has happened probably years ago or someone in their family, you know, migrated to the United States. Right. It's a very complex book. And the story is, like you said, it's not Hollywood, but it surely sounds like something off of a Hollywood backlot. I mean, and in the one part you talk about in 1989, you were shopping with your parents, and bullets just literally started flying by your head. What was the experience like for you? Well, first of all, I was a senior in high school, and uh, the day started like any other day when my parents would go and uh, take me to go shopping for the upcoming holidays for Christmas, and there was really nothing to look for. And nothing to buy because there was not much there in the stores. And, um, well, you would have pickles, but your life was a pickle, so why would you buy more? And then (laughs) (laughs) then, um, you would have champagne, but I'm like, well, okay, we're going to buy champagne, but what in the world are we going to celebrate? So um, there was really not much. Okay. And that day started like any other day. We would go shopping, and then all of a sudden there were bullets that were passing us by, and I just felt my dad's heavy hand just flattening me out and, you know, just telling me, you know, we would have to backtrack our steps and we would have to run back home to get cover. And oh, my. When, when these things happen, you don't even realize in that moment. You only realize after you have passed the moment. It's like, was it real? Was they right. doing a movie? It, it's like in that moment, you are literally spacing out. Only after you pass the moment, you are actually going to realize that your life was really, really in in a, in a fraction of a second between life and death, it was walking that thin line that separates life from death. So now after having all these horrific and unfortunate situations happen, how did you get your freedom from Transylvania? Well, Romania became, you know, you know, she, you know Romania was not 
uh, having a communist regime anymore because we started the revolution that was, you know, 1989. So starting with 1990, Romania had the democratic regime where actually um, we are going to vote for the president and we voted for the president. But um, during those years, I was, so I became a journalist. So 1990 to 1997, besides going to school, I was also working as a full-time journalist. And things, it's not that they did not start changing, but, you know, when you're young and you want things to happen now, if it's possible yesterday, right, um, things were happening at a slower pace. And so I did not want to age there, you retire over there, not even noticing how things are changing. I wanted to be part of the front line where you know, action is going to happen. And I couldn't really feel that in Romania. So okay. in 1996, a very good um, acquaintance of my family, I bumped into him and he said, well, my daughter lives in the United States and she's doing very well. And I said, well, how did she end up over there? And he said, well, she won the green card lottery. Well, the moment you hear lottery, you think, oh, it's money involved, that's me. And I said, green card lottery? I said, what kind of lottery is that? And he said, well, it's a lottery that was started by George Bush, you know, senior. And it's a lottery that pretty much, you know, people are going to apply from all over the world. And whatever they are going to win, it's not money. But it's the status. You can come to the United States legally. You will receive the green card. And after five years, you can apply for the American citizenship. So I asked him, well, how many people are applying from all over the world? And he said, well, 8 million, 10 million, because they have only 55,000 spots available. So I applied in 96 for 97, and I forgot about it. And after probably like eight months or so, I got this huge envelope in uh, in the mail that said, congratulations, you've been randomly, randomly selected by the computer to go for the first round of this green card lottery. And I was like, I totally forgot. I'm like, lottery, green card. I'm like, what are these guys talking about, man? And so you didn't even I, remember that you'd done it. I, it. It was literally just I put my focus there for one second. I applied, and I totally forgot about it. So I was not stressing out. I was not thinking about it. I was not demanding the universe to make it happen for me. I just, you know, put my, bad int- my great intentions there out in the universe, and I forgot about it. And so okay. when it came... When it came, it said, please don't, you know, um, don't sell your house, don't sell your properties, don't quit your job because this is just the first phase. And you would have to apply once again. You would have to send us over all the degrees and whatever you've been doing. And it's going to be another drawing, but this time it's going to be based on your education, your experience, work experience, so I was chosen once again, and then I went and I had an interview at the American Embassy in Bucharest. And that one was like literally probably three minutes long because by okay. then they already had my file. They knew exactly who I was. And they said, okay, well, you have exactly four months to leave the country, and here is your temporary green card. Welcome to the United States. And I was like, what? They were like, four months starting with today. And that's when my headaches started. <laughs> the headache started. Why? Because now you wanted something. And now always be 
careful what you're wishing for. Right. And so I said, now I got it. So now what's next? And they were like, well. Did you have, so now, quick question, before you applied for, before you even put yourself in the lottery, did you have thoughts of what you would do if you were able to win it? You know what, I I always, while I was growing up, I always knew that I will not age, I will not stay in Romania. I always knew that I'm going to end up somewhere where palm trees are going to be to my left and the ocean is going to be to my right. Well, Romania doesn't have any palm trees. So I was constantly thinking and having that in mind. And I would tell my parents when I was 14 years old, my my parents were like, okay, so when we are going to die, you are going to inherit the house. And I was like, well, I don't really care for the house because I'm not going to stay in Romania. And when I was 14 years old, still Romania was communist and the borders were closed. And my parents were like, where are you going to go? And I said, well, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm, it's going to be a country that starts with A. It could be America. It could be Australia. But I said, I know that I'm going to be at the ocean and I'm going to have palm trees. So my parents were like, yeah, your imagination is running wild. And uh, maybe you should not read so many books. Okay. And, <laughs> so they thought you were just really just kind of delusional. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, when kids are, you know, you're asking someone that's five years old, it's like, what would you like to become? It's like a princess. Like, yeah, good luck with that one. Okay, next. Okay. Yeah, so my parents were like, that's not going to happen. I was like, of course it's going to happen. So when I was given four months to leave the country, I was like, oh, my God, in my subconscious, I always desired to be part of the United States. I always desired to go there, but I never knew how it's going to happen because I knew what I wanted, but I didn't really know how I'm going to get it. Right, which is always the other part of the issue, figuring out what you want and then how to go get it. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, I think that the how, it's always going to be easier the moment you know what you want. And the problem is that in our society, we really don't know what we want. And if you don't know what you want, how are you going to be able to receive it? Exactly. And so, so I, I, it was not that I left the country not having anything to do there. I mean, I was teaching for the university. I was, you know, working as a full-time journalist. I was having, you know, really an amazing life in Romania in 1997 when I left because Romania was not communist anymore and you were able to travel and I went and I did all kinds of um, trainings with BBC and Deutsche Welle and so we, I was working for a French, well, a Belgium radio station, Radio Contact, and um, it was not that I did not have a roof above my head or I did not know what to do with myself. So. You know, in a fraction of a second, when someone is going to tell you you have four months starting with this particular moment, you're thinking, do I really want to go there? Do I really want to start from ground zero? Because uh, United States, the government, is actually asking you to sign some papers that you are going to acknowledge the fact that you are not going to become a liability for the American Mm -hmm. government and you are not going to ask for any financial help. So... They give you the green card, but they don't offer you a you know place to work or a house to live in. So you're on your own, really, when you come here. So when you get here, you have, you're responsible for getting yourself to America. 
And then when you get off the, let's say, the airplane, you're just standing in this big metropolis with a big question mark over your head? Truly. You know, that's pretty much what it is. They don't give you anything besides the legal entry to the country. And so um, my husband at the time, he had very good friends that were living in Los Angeles, and they came to Los Angeles the previous year, and they actually won the green car lottery. So he contacted them, and they said, yes, of course, we can come and pick you up from LAX, and you can stay with us for exactly a month. And then after that, you would have to find an apartment to rent, and you would have to find a job. And, you know, L.A., it's a huge metropolitan area, so you do need a car. And Mm -hmm. so you're on your own. And (laughs) here we are. (laughs) I mean, I – yeah. So I remember when I told my parents I won the green car lottery and I'm going to go to the United States, my mom my mom's first reaction was, so let me get this straight. What exactly are you going to do there? That's the first question, right. Because she's like, okay, you're leaving your position here at the university as a journalist, so who's going to offer you a job? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do? And I said, well, I I just don't know. I wish I would, but I don't. I said, maybe I can start washing dishes. And she said, well, I have a bunch of them in my kitchen. You don't have to fly all the way, you know, (laughs) to the United States. You can just move from one room to another. Right, right. Perfect idea. (laughs) Yeah. And that didn't really appeal to me. And... uh, Surprisingly, surprisingly, you didn't jump at the opportunity. Exactly. I was, well, you know, if I have to wash dishes, might as well be in the United States, you know, because they have different types of dishes over there. So I should go there. (laughs) Um, Wow, okay. I I came here and I started literally with $400 in a bank account. And uh, after... The second day when I got to, you know, L.A., I, was, I picked up Los Angeles Times, and I started looking for jobs. And the family that we were living with, she said to me, Corina, she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a job. She said, but you just got here last night. I was like, yeah, but I have one month, right, to find a right, job. Yeah, so I'm no, looking. No time, yeah. You no time for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, exactly. I do have to face the question. Now, when you did get here, was the culture shock? Like, did that even set into you? Because, I mean, Romania versus Los Angeles and the speed of the city, the look of the city, was that a major transition for you? And how did you handle it? Well, obviously, I mean, I knew the language. I knew more of British English than American English. So there were some idioms that I didn't really know. And um, it was – so the language was not the barrier, but the culture was. I remember that – um, we got into a McDonald's in Malibu, and McDonald's in, in Romania, it's expensive. I mean, they have rugs um, down on the floor. They have, you know, a salad bar. So it's like an upscale restaurant. And I, <laughs> oh, my God. So I, I got into a McDonald's in Malibu, and my friends were waiting for me outside. And I got in, and I'm looking for the rug, and I'm looking for the flowers, and I'm looking for the salad bar. And it feels deserted. And I was like, oh, for sure, they're closing or they're remodeling. And um, I got there, and the woman says, okay, so what number? And I'm like, well, what do you mean, what number? She's like, what number do you want? You know, and she's looking at the menu, and I'm thinking she wants my phone number. And I'm like, my phone number you're asking for? 
and she's like, wow. no, no, she's like, the number. I'm like, what number? So it was like a dumb and dumber, you know, part two. <laughs> and and then she said, well, listen, do you want a happy meal? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, for God's sake, I don't want an unhappy meal or a depressed one, you know? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, you know, give me a happy meal, you know? And so I'm leaving I'm leaving McDonald's with the box with me and when I I approach the car, my friends are literally on the floor laughing hysterically. And they're I like I know, I know and they're like, You got a happy meal? I said, Well when she asked me if I want a happy meal, I didn't want to say no, I want an unhappy hour, just pass the box to me. <laughs> and so wow. they yeah, so they were literally on the floor. And then after a week or so, they they took me to Starbucks, and they were like, okay, this is Starbucks. This is, you know, the coffee heaven. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm in line to order my coffee, and in Romania they have coffee with milk, and then they have Turkish coffee, which is really, really strong. And then I have espresso and double espresso. That's it. So but I don't really have the, they just they really walked you around to figure out this culture. So now you're here. You got four hundred dollars. You have this drive in which you're yeah. already looking for a drive. You know, looking for a job after just being here. But now after being here, the love of your life, and you get divorced. Wow. <laughs> um, well, the good part is that we are still, you know, on really amazing terms. I mean, I because I've known him since I was eighteen. And we've been together for, like, 13 years, you know, married. Um, after, you know, my divorce in 2007, we're pretty much, it's not that we didn't talk, but I was looking for another love of my life, right? And in 2008, um, I found someone, but, you know, again, you know, be be really careful what you're wishing for. And it didn't really click. So in 2008, Michael came back into my life. We were back, you know, 2009, 2010. And um, I'm kind of like flying in life, probably going in the fifth gear or turbo. And he said, listen, I love you dearly, but the pace of your life is really not matching my pace. And so it's, you know, you're always going to be in my life. I love you dearly, but I, we cannot be working as a couple anymore. And so um, he's, even now, he's really my best friend. I mean, we're on amazing terms. Our divorce was more than amicable. I didn't, you know, X the refrigerator and he zeroed in, you know, the stove, but it's like, okay, whatever has an X, it's mine, and whatever has a zero, that's yours, honey. So... (laughs) That's not how we do it these days. You had to get a lawyer and get a camera crew, a publicist, you know. Voices <laughs> <laughs> are media. That's a media. Um, that's a press release. You get a good little media campaign for that. Of but course. Okay. Of course. Some PR releases, you know. Yeah, definitely. You see, uh, you're a true Los Angeles now. So I'm going to change the direction a little bit. So now we kind of understand the book and we feel, it's, you know, it's a great story of conquer and, you know, reaching out for life and grabbing your piece of the pie. Now, I also understand that you have created a program called See Beyond. Can you tell the audience a little bit about this program? Well, the program is, you know, it's catering more to teenagers because I am teaching high school in the morning and I'm also teaching college at night. And probably the the main problem that I have seen in teenagers is not really working to the best of their abilities and not really having, you know, high self-esteem. 
And that's because not that they are not really good looking or they are amazingly intelligent. It's because they downloaded programs from their, you know, parents. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not as smart Mm -hmm. as your brother. So all of a sudden, even if they're very smart, they're really not going to work not even at half of their capability. So Mm -hmm. See Beyond, it's kind of like a program that is going to empower teenagers to really look beyond their own capabilities or whatever others have told them that they have and they can give to the society and really look inside, inward, and really discover what they are made out of without anybody else's approval. Because whenever we are going to ask for someone else's approval, we might not get it. And in that case, we are really going to be demoralized. And you don't need anybody's approval to really discover what an amazing human being you are. And you really don't need any awards and you really don't need any nominations to know that you are just an outstanding, unique human being. And so this see beyond is literally just crossing the boundaries that society has created for us, that we are not good enough, we are not smart enough because we are constantly comparing ourselves to the models, to whatever media it's presenting. And that's not, you know, that's not who we are in reality. I mean, we are just, every, each and every one of us is unique and each and every one of us is good at something. And as long as you are going to find that passion, I mean, you are going to be successful. I, I, that is, that's pretty awesome because with all the media and all the vanity that is pumped into our youth's head these days, something like that is amazing to have. For the listeners, if they want to get more information on See Beyond, um, how would we get more information on that? Well, pretty much it's done, you know, through, you know, former, you know, high schools um, and college students that I have. I mean, they can always, it's it's not like a closed circle. We do have meetings, you know, every month. But they can definitely, you know, send me an email at auraimbaras at, you know, yahoo.com, and then I can send them all the information they need to know. And pretty much it's a survey that I would like to know exactly what kind of issues they've been dealing with and, you know, if they had any, uh, like I had students that tried to commit suicide, right, and because they thought that they are not good enough. So we want to see from a psychological point of view, you know, if you've had any uh, going off the tangent or, you know, if you've been in a, in a you know, counseling program. And then from that moment on, we'll see exactly what are the issues that we need to focus on. And on the team, it's also, you know, a psychologist, and I have actually a, a psychic that really she used to own her own company. She was an amazing broker, and right now she is on Dr. Phil, and she is a psychic that has been hired by FBI. And so to really shed some really light, you know. Really get down to the bottom of this. this yeah. That, that's awesome. Yes. That's really awesome. Well, I want to say this has been a great time hanging out with you. Thank you so much. You guys are oh, definitely. Oh, thank you so uh, much for having me. No, no problem. And uh, I want to say good luck with your nomination. Um, the EOTM award, the first annual EOTM awards. You are a nominee for best. Excuse me for outstanding literary work. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Wonderful. You so and much. You're more than welcome. I look forward. I'm going to be there at the red carpet, so you'll have to come by and visit. I sure look forward to meeting you there at this tremendous event. Thank you so much. I will be there. I'm definitely looking forward to meeting you in person as well, besides sitting (laughs) on the couch next to you tonight. Yes, yes, besides sitting right here next to me. You are absolutely right. We're our wonderful, soft, cushy pillows. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. No kidding. Now I can finally eat my cookie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go ahead and enjoy your cookie, and we're going to take a quick break, you guys. Thank you again, Dr. Ambrose, and it was great Thanks. having you on this evening. Thank you so much. Have an amazing night. Bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You guys, continue to stick around as we chill out here at the Kick It Spot with your boy, T'Angelo. And um, maybe you should go, you know, get you a refill on your drink, get you a cookie or a glass of wine or something. But when we return, we're going to discuss ideas for Father's Day and what I think would be a perfect idea. So, you guys, we'll be right back after this. Can someone get me a
celebrate Entrepreneur's Biggest Night live from West Hollywood, California. The 2013 EOTM Awards, Sunday, August 4th at the beautiful Pacific Design Center. Red Carpet and Celebrity Stunted Awards Show, highlighting all things entrepreneurship. Nominees and presenters scheduled to attend Bruce Valanche, Farah Abraham, Tammy Roman, Jake Short, Carlin Jeffrey, Adam Barter, Matt Martin, Eric Zuli, Latoya Luckett, Jasmine Brand, Christian Keys, Mary Marrow, Vincent Ward, Josh Feldman, CeCe Perkinson, Cynthia Manley, Fawn, Chili Moe, Mimi Foss, Don Lee Heising, Jared Masters, Macy Bookout, Barbara Niven, and many more to be confirmed. Performances by Billy Lord, Adam Barter, Chioki Damachi, Leon, Ron Anthony with Don Cannon, and more. Win tickets by tweeting hashtag EOTM Awards, hashtag Think Entrepreneurship. Visit www.eotmawards.com, www.eotmawards.com. For- You are tuned into the Kicker Spot, and I'm your host, T'Angelo. So, we're about to get into Father's Day gifts ideas. But before I do, just in, what actually was released today, and I can't believe that I had the founder, Carla B., on my show last week, and she didn't even tell me the scoop. I told her to tell me some secrets, and she didn't tell me this one. They must have really kept this under wraps. Well, to my listeners, you guys, to everyone chilling here at the Kicker Spot, no, put put my sandwich down, please. That's not even yours. I'm sorry, you guys. That's mine. Um, so the the big announcement that they have released today is the host of the EOTM Awards, the first annual taking place August 4th at the Pacific Design Center, will be none other than EOTM Award nominee, past Kick It Spot guest, Farrah Abraham. Super cool. Well, congratulations, Sarah. We're definitely going to have you back on the Kicker Spots. We're going to hang out and talk more details about you hosting the EOTM Awards. That is going to be super awesome. I already know that U.S. Weekly is talking about it, and you can also go online. I was just reading an article here. Let's see what my girl Farrah said. Um, Where do we go? Where do we go? Where do we go? Uh, Ferris um, is quoted saying, I'm very excited to host the Entrepreneur um, on the Move Awards taking place August 4th. For one, she says, for one, I'm a true entrepreneur at heart, and I'm an advocate for believing in the potential of other entrepreneurs. I feel being an entrepreneur is one of the most difficult career paths to take. So daring. And all entrepreneurs who are attending deserve this time to celebrate and be rewarded for their hard work. Well, that is what's up, Bear. We definitely thank you for those kind words because we are out here putting the pedal to the metal, putting the, the sweat beads up on the forehead because we putting in our work. Yes, yes. And then they also quoted, um, Carla B. explained why EOTM chose Sarah Abraham. Sarah Abraham. Oh, my goodness. Am I saying it right? Sarah Abraham. Abraham. I'll over-pronunciate. There we go. Why they chose her for the show. Um, Carla B. explained, 
Farah is only 21 years old and has completed a dual degree in culinary management and arts. Helped her family turn their recipe into a mega business with launching with the launching of an Italian hot pepper sauce called Mommy and Me. She is unbelievably talented, knows how to roll with the punches and empathize with excuse me, and emphasize what it takes to be a great entrepreneur. She is a maverick, a risk taker, and we couldn't be happier with the creative team we have assembled. So congratulations to EOTM for their host and to you, Fair Air Prince. We'll definitely see you on stage and on the red carpet of the EOTM Awards taking place August 4th at the Pacific Design Center. Yeah. All right, you guys, you can also go to EOTMAwards.com for all the latest and greatest on all things EOTM Awards. So as far as my Father's Day gifts ideas, I'm very pleased with the gift ideas. Um, I did this one a lot different than I did the Mother's Day gifts. Um, you know, Father's a little bit more simple, not simple, but just because they work so much and they're really about the family, they just don't require as much, in my opinion. You know, you can kind of get them a good cold glass of beer and they're satisfied with a television. Just leave them alone. Just leave them shh. Be quiet. So speaking of television, my first gift idea is I think that if you want to get your father a gift that he will always cherish or remember you for, you should get him a huge flat screen TV, bigger than the one he already has, with surround sound. I put 64-inch on my notes, but I just remember, what if he already has a 64-inch? You have to go get him a bigger TV. It's one of those situations where the TV can't get too big. The room can only get too small. Yeah, if you can go ahead and put the movie theater in the house, that'd be great. Just make sure you have comfortable seats with cup holders and surround sound. It's a, it's a must. Gift number two. I'm going to say I wasn't a fan of this gift for a very long time, but now that I am more mature and I kind of hang around the house a little bit, I can say I'm a fan. You can get a great gift in a plush new robe. Yes, a plush new robe for that father who works maybe those 12 or 13-hour days and gets those two or three days off on occasion. You know, have a nice robe to snuggle in when you're walking around the house and you don't want to have on a bunch of clothes, something a little bit more loose and free. A robe can really give you what you need. So I'm going to go with that for number two. Number three, this is like one of my favorites, actually. This should be my number one. But anyhow, um, this is a great gift, you guys. You really want to set your father up nicely, get him tickets to his favorite sports event. If you live in one of those cities that have a game, a, a team there, get him tickets. Let him go see the Dodgers play live. Let him go see the Miami Heat right there inside the dome. You know what I'm saying? And if he happens not to be into sports games, get him concert tickets. Get him a ticket to a play. But allow him to go out to, you know, go outside into the world and see a live performance. It is always great. You leave with such high energy, and you just enjoy the day. Now, for some of the fathers out there who might be more into fashion or more conscious of more aware, consciously aware of their image, London Fog. Boom. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with the beautiful coat. You can't. For those who live out in New York and all the cold areas, you know, you need to snuggle up. For us here in Cali, eh, it would hang up in the closet. But for those who are definitely needing a good coat, hit that London Fog up. It's a great look, a mature look. I recommend it. And then I'm going to say lastly for a great 
Father's Day gift. These are for the fathers who really love their family with family time, not like the others don't love their family, but the ones who love to do family time, the ones who just are happy with the barbecue in the backyard. I say plan a family trip together. Plan a family trip where you guys all go out somewhere. Um, if you're in here in California, like a Raging Waters, maybe a Disneyland, Magic Mountain kind of thing. For Father's Day, we all get together and have a blast. And if getting all the families together is not the easiest thing or could cause a fight, yeah, that happens. Just get him a nice romantic dinner with his honey. <laughs> you just send him and the honey out, and they can go do their thing, okay? So those are your options right there. So there's the top five gifts ideas from Tiangelo here at the Kickin' Spot. All righty, you guys. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here, you know, and um, um, I'm going to go to the airport. I'm supposed to go to the gym. I don't know if I'm going to make it there or not, though. But anyhow, I know where I am going to make it to. I'm going to make it to Ensenada, Mexico, by way of cruise line. That's where I'm going. So I'm going to have a blast. I hope to see you guys there. Um, until next time, um, thank you again, Dr. Emberus, for um, hanging out here with us at the Kick is Spot. And to all the EOTMs and to all the TNJO Live team who helped to make this show is what it is, I really thank you and I appreciate you all. It is not just TNJO who makes the show possible, you guys, the whole team of us. So good looking out. Um, until next time, you guys, be sure to live life to the fullest. And I'm your host, T'Angelo. It's your boy, welcome to the kicking spot. It's your boy, it's your boy, I'm your host, T'Angelo. T'Angelo. Why did I have a visual? I was partying to the break of dawn. How did I know who recorded the video? T'Angelo. OMG. It's kind of bratty. So, no. Okay, I'm a better one. Apparently, I'm eager to when I talk about myself all the time. Go, go, go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kickin' Spot. I'm your host, T'Angelo.